What's up, everyone? Ryan Satin here. Welcome back to another Raw Roundup. Glad to have you back. Glad to be back. I hope your week has started off well. I am hanging in there. I'm doing what I can. I am chugging along. And thankfully, I got wrestling to help me get through all of it. We're going to break down this week's Raw, as usual, segment by segment before I do that. Gotta give a little bit of love to someone who left a review for this show on Apple Podcasts. Now, this person doesn't have a name. They just left a bunch of numbers. I don't know if that was intentional. I'll read the numbers anyway, but but put a name next time, people. Put a name rather than numbers so I can shout you out on the pod. This was a five-star review that was left on Apple Podcasts. By 8909123. Hopefully, whoever left this will remember that number or they'll remember what they said because this is what they said. Ryan is such an amazing interviewer. The questions are amazing. I love getting to know the wrestlers behind the characters, their likes, their dislikes, what they do in their off time, who they're friends with, etc. Ryan, as a wrestling fan, giving his objective opinion is what gets me excited every single week to watch. So stoked that this podcast exists. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, 89091123. Whoever you are, I feel like this is a glass slipper out there. I'm trying to find whose glass slipper this is, but it was a very nice message. Uh, I was at the hospital when I read that, and it brightened up my day. When I see things like that, it always helps. So hook it up, man, really, if you guys enjoy listening to this show and you're on Apple Podcasts, go leave a review. Do five stars, and I will read it on the podcast. As long as you don't say anything too inappropriate. But most of you are very oozy. You're not doing that. You're leaving the appropriate kinds of reviews. Speaking of oozy, this week's Raw began with the Bloodline out first, and as they make their entrance... Footage is shown of the bloodline ambushing Elias backstage earlier in the day. This means he won't be involved in the planned tag title match. The bloodline then take the mat. <laughs> the bloodline then take the mic to brag, but Riddle makes his entrance anyway. Riddle says it wasn't very oozy of them to run from a fight, and Sami Zayn takes issue with Matt using his catchphrase, so he acknowledges him. On what is or isn't Usi. That was a fun little thing for Sami Zayn. Riddle then informs the bloodline that he found a replacement for the tag match. So it's still happening. And he introduces Kevin Owens. I think Kevin Owens was the obvious replacement here once this all started going. And the ball got rolling. And we knew that Elias wasn't going to be in the match anymore. And then we got the Usos versus Riddle. And Kevin Owens, this was a fairly quick match that saw Riddle and Chaos come to the numbers game and ultimately lose after a 1D. Before I get to the after the match stuff, let's first talk about all of this. This was, um, I, what's the right word? I mean, I wasn't, maybe I, maybe I've been distracted by hospital stuff with my dad, but I didn't see if. Elias suffered a real life injury, and that's why this match happened. I was a little confused by the switcheroo since they had been heavily hyping the tag title match involving Elias. However, Kevin Owens, 
obviously uh, a great replacement. I think if you're going to not follow through with the advertised match, you got to give the people something even better, and that's what we got in Kevin Owens. And that's no diss to Elias. I'm just a big Kevin Owens fan. Riddle and Kevin Owens against the Usos, both having more issues with the bloodline than Elias really has. Elias is kind of doing his own thing. He's unhappy with the way his return has gone about. He hasn't even done a concert yet. Things are not going good in the world of Elias. I'm actually wondering if that's setting something up for, you know, a, a new Elias, a new newer version of Elias, or we're just going to finally see him really turn heel again because he is strongest as a heel, but obviously he's going to get that babyface pop when he initially returns. That's what they've been rolling with. They've been rolling with him as a babyface, especially since Zeke was a babyface before. But I, I think with all this and the way it's happening and Riddle and everything, I think that we're slowly going to see uh, Elias. We're eventually going to see Elias snap and return to his former self as a heel where he gets to the concerts, making fun of everybody, but he's just not there yet right now. He's still in the babyface phase and I don't think his concerts work for that because he just makes fun of the crowd in the town while he's doing it hopefully he's not actually hurt though because uh, I want to see where the rest of the story is going his return has been fun it's been nice seeing the return of Elias the character is always entertaining to have around and yeah I hope that it wasn't an actual real injury I haven't really been paying attention to the the wrestling side so I don't know if I missed something there after the match Solo Sokoa continued to beat down Matt Riddle by hitting Umaga's Samoan spike, then putting a chair around Riddle's neck and hitting Umaga's running hip in the corner, and Riddle gets stretchered away in a neck brace. So it looks like Riddle is being written out for a little bit as well. Um, so I guess that story is kind of uh, getting a little uh, pin put in it for now. But I do think that a feud between Riddle and Solo Sokoa would be cool. I, I would like that. I like Solo Sokoa doing all the um, Umaga moves. Uh, I loved Umaga back in the day. And I know the Usos and Solo, well, I'm assuming Solo, were all close with Umaga. So I love Solo kind of adopting the moves of Umaga to pay homage to a part of the bloodline that's no longer with us. Very cool. Very into that, and I think that Riddle and Solo Sokoa would be a good feud. Now, there is this blending of brands. You know, I know the tag champions can go where they want, and Solo Sokoa can follow, I guess, and same for Sammy. Um, but I do think of... Uh, I don't know if I want like a full program of two people that are on different brands that aren't near the top of the card, I guess you could say. Um, this, this, this is definitely more of a mid-card feud. Um, but, uh, I am interested, interested to see how they follow up on this, on what's going on with Riddle, because Riddle really has kind of fallen from where he was, uh, to where he is now, uh, in just a short amount of time. So, um, I'm interested, I'm interested to see what this all is leading towards with Riddle kind of being written off for a little bit. Uh, the thing with Elias kind of being put to the side as well, if that's the case. Um, yeah, I'm just, there's, a, there's a lot of questions here that I had coming out 
of all of this that I didn't necessarily have any answers to in the immediate, but now you all know where my head is at on all of this. Next, the Judgment Day are backstage. Rhea Ripley cuts a promo to hype her match against Asuka and Bailey, and says once she wins the title, everyone will be calling her Mommy. Next, there was a JBL Poker Invitational. JBL welcomes everyone to the poker tournament, and Dexter Loomis arrives uninvited. He dumps a ton of money on the table, though, and gets allowed into the game after JBL didn't think he could afford it. We'll get back to the Poker Invitational in a little bit. Now, let's get to this kind of the the triple threat match uh, as a whole because there was stuff that happened before it. So first, Bailey comes out for the triple threat match. Uh, but before things begin, Becky Lynch appears in the crowd and begins talking to Bailey about how it's been three years since they last wrestled. Becky talks about Bailey carrying the company on her back throughout the pandemic, which is true. And Bailey says it's because she cares about the WWE, unlike Becky, who only cares about herself. Becky finally says that she hopes they get to wrestle soon, then leaves the ring. And as that's happening, Rhea makes her entrance and comes face-to-face with Becky Lynch as they size each other up for a while, and then Rhea makes her way to the ring. Now, before we get to the match itself, I want to talk about this segment. I loved this. I loved this. I think if you've you know, been a fan of the Four Horse Women since their NXT days, Whenever there's any sort of interactions between them, you get excited. And they're right. You know, when it was talked about how these guys, excuse me, these women haven't wrestled each other in three years and how they've kind of both been passing each other. One's injured or one's baby, you know, pregnant or, you know, whatever. They've both been kind of passing each other these last few years. And they've both risen to new heights as performers. I think Bailey is really tuned in as a heel i think becky lynch knows what the people want when she's the man and now that we're gonna get becky lynch versus bailey i'm hyped this is gonna be dope and it was just like you know i like it you know when i'm watching something i really like when reality is blended with fiction and that's kind of what we saw here what they were saying about each other there was there was realism um, talking about fake situations, though. Uh, and so I, I really liked how you could really feel the actual competitive tension between them that exists between the four horsewomen. And these two seem to be... Uh, these, two, these two at least seem to be uh, still technically friendly with each other off screen. Who knows? Not sure. Uh, you never know with all them these days, uh, but I, I really like this. I like this a lot. I felt like there was a, it was one of those ones where there was good lines being said. I liked Bailey asking the crowd to cheer for her when Becky noted that she carried the company on her back during the pandemic. Um, I, I enjoyed this. I'm looking forward to a, a full program between them. Um, yeah, I like it so far. But first, let's get let, let, let's get to this match. I shouldn't say first because I, I next next let's get to this match. It was Bailey versus Rhea Ripley versus Oscar. Uh, Rhea is just such a force, dude. When you watch this match, 
you can't take your eyes off her whenever she's on screen. She's just so dominating looking. I am such a big fan of hers. I think she's just money all the way. And I think it's one of those instances where absence makes the heart grow fonder because I was already a big fan of Rhea Ripley before. But her having that time away from the ring and now coming back, you just see you're like, God, she's just such a one in a million performer, one of a million personalities. Uh, I just think that she's going to be a long-term star for the company. You can see why. I think she's going to be one of those people that inspires uh, future generations of talent. I just think she just really stands out in a way that's different than everyone else on screen. Just oozing cool, badass look. Someone that you know everybody wants to be like or be around. And I think that she really has something special going right now. There was a cool spot in this match where Asuka hit the code breaker from the top rope on Bailey and Rhea. And the finish saw Bailey hit the rose plant for the win. This was a good triple threat match. Uh, I think that Bailey needs to be the one to dethrone Bianca Belair if damage control is going to last. So Bailey being in the match next week is the right decision. I think she's going to win the match too. I'll get to my thoughts on that at the end of this episode when I talk about the main event. But we're not there yet. We're not quite there yet. You know what we are at, though? You know what we are? Actually, well, yeah. You know where we are at? We're at a commercial break. (laughs) We'll be right back with the rest of my thoughts on this week's show. After the match with Bailey, Rhea Ripley, and Asuka. Rhea Ripley took her frustrations out on Asuka by hitting her with the Riptide. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing we're going to get a feud between Rhea Ripley and Asuka next. Then we had Seth Rollins come out. He had his hair all matted down for some reason. I love that he seems to just enjoy making people angry with his looks. I think that people are so confused (laughs) about his looks lately that he really is just kind of dialing it up even more. I posted a funny TikTok I saw where some young girl was screaming about about Seth Rollins and some of the some of the men who don't understand it. It was pretty entertaining. Uh, she called. She referred to him as Sethany Rollins, <laughs> which got a laugh out of me. But Rollins comes out. He says that he'll face off next week against Bobby Lashley on Raw. And the winner of that match gets a U.S. title shot. Lashley comes out next. And Rollins tells him he hasn't been the same since he lost to Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel. He then asks if he's jealous of Brock Lesnar since Brock is a bigger deal After all of these years saying Brock Lesnar had the career that you wished you had. Lashley gets angry and Rollins tells him the U.S. title won't fill the void of not being able to defeat Brock Lesnar. Bobby then decks Rollins and they start to brawl it out before backstage officials begin trying to break them up. Rollins and Lashley keep breaking free until Lashley accidentally spears Petey Williams instead of Rollins and Rollins dips out of the ring. You know, I, I, I got no problem with this. You know, I think I talked about how I know I talked about, uh, the video vignettes on this during the SmackDown roundup and how I really like the, those four character building, but Lashley 
and Rollins are two superstars that we don't need any additional character building to right now necessarily. We know who these characters are. They're fairly defined. Well, I think they are. Some people are a little confused by Rollins' character as of late, but I get it. I think they're fairly defined. I think that I think that with something like this, it increases tension. And that was another thing that had been kind of missing from some of these feuds was tension, where you feel tension between the two superstars, where you feel tension in their match, where you feel like they actually dislike each other. And Rollins did a good job of that here. Rollins has actually been the one who keeps kind of crossing the line with people, calling out Riddle about his kids. He's uh, calling out Lashley here about Brock Lesnar, saying he's jealous of his career. He's really kind of the one that's 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 stepping over the line continuously and 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 kind of having fun on the other side of it, uh, you know, kind of but just still right at the line. And I think that you know, with tension, you really want to build tension. You want to make these feuds feel like they're authentic, like they're something that's actually happening. And I think that Rollins does a good job of that. And and this felt real. It felt like something you could see happen. It felt like something that these two superstars would do. Uh, felt, you know, organic. Didn't feel, like, forced whatsoever. Because personally, like, the contract signings to me just don't excite me. Because I'm like, well, what, what do you mean contract signing? Like, what contract needs to be signed? You guys are both superstars that are employed by the company like there's not a contract they get signed for every other match so <laughs> i think that when you want to build tension in an organic way something like this still works it's classic pro wrestling and i was into it next we had austin theory who gets asked about the segment that we just saw between rollins and lashley he says he doesn't care because the future has just begun Mustafa Ali then laughs about this and gets into it with Theory, which leads to a challenge for later in the night. Theory says after that, though, he doesn't want to hear the word opportunity come from Mustafa Ali's mouth ever again. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Mustafa Ali's been getting beat up a lot on these shows. Is that going to happen again? We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there shortly. Uh, but first, there was an extension of the JBL Poker Invitational. Corbin and Dexter get into a hand, and Loomis wins, which angers Baron, and he starts laying into him verbally, but Loomis pulls out his axe, and Corbin quickly changes his tune. At another table, Dominic and Akira Tozawa get into it, and this sets up a match for later in the night. Similarly, you know, I think that rather than just a match being thrown out there, where just just no re- no rhyme or reason to it whatsoever. I don't necessarily like that. I like there to be some story involved in the matches. So even if it's just, you know, a small match between Dominic and Akira Tozawa, I like there was reasoning for it. They got into a little thing backstage. They want to fight afterwards. Easy, done, moving on. Austin Theory versus Mustafa Ali. There was a real scary spot on the top rope in this match where Theory caught Ali who was trying to hit him with a Hurricane Rana but he caught him to powerbomb him but then they both just kind of fell to the ground thankfully Mustafa Ali quickly got back up didn't seem to be hurt and they continued on the match ended a little bit later though when Dolph Ziggler interfered causing Ali to get disqualified 
So now he continued to complain about needing opportunity because Dolph Ziggler ruined his. So he goes off on Dolph Ziggler, and while they're arguing, Fury attacks both and was eventually the only one left standing. I thought that this made sense here. I think that Mustafa Ali does need to ultimately be the one who wins the United States Championship from Austin Theory. He's been around it too much. He's been talking about wanting to be the U.S. champion. He put this amazing promo on social media, uh, I think it was today, uh, which would be Monday, uh, where he talked about what, what it would mean to him to be the United States champion. And I think that you should go watch it if you didn't see that yet because it was very emotional, very moving. But I think that when you see stuff like that, you just want this guy to succeed. You Mustafa Ali is someone who the people are behind. As much as he might, you know, lose or um, whatever I say, lose, you know, lose in a storyline sense. Um, I think that the people are behind him. I think that the moment can be built up to, and I think that's where this is all going. He is getting over match by match. You know, before I don't think he was necessarily getting the opportunity to showcase himself on a regular basis, and we are seeing it more often, whether he's losing or not. Uh, he he's getting to showcase what he can do more and more and more, and I think that's ultimately the opportunity that he really, in real life, was looking for. So I think that also in this match, I liked that Dolph Ziggler got back involved because it did feel like the theory and Ziggler stuff was just kind of dropped. So him still having beef with Austin Theory makes sense. I just, my only issue, I guess, is Dolph Ziggler is definitely a heel at this point, it seems to me. And Austin Theory is also a heel. Uh, Mustafa Ali is a face, but there's a lot of heels surrounding the United States title, except for Mustafa Ali. But there's Austin Theory, there's Dolph Ziggler, there's Bobby Lashley, there's Seth Rollins. Uh, there's there's a lot of people circling the United States title, and I think that's great. But there's a lot of heels circling it, um, and I I do think that we need to kind of mix that up a little bit. I don't think heel versus heel gets the crowd going as much. Even if it's you know an awesome performer like uh, Dolph Ziggler and an, and and you know going against a guy who can go like Austin Theory, I still think that heel face dynamic is important. And I think we've been seeing it more and more that the the more you define people's roles, the the easier it is for the crowd to get behind them. So I'm, I I, I want to see where this goes. Obviously, I'm reserving all my judgment, um, but I am happy to see Mustafa Ali continuing to get a push. And I think it was uh, smart to reinsert Dolph Ziggler into the United States title scene. I just say that with a caveat of like, I do think that maybe pushing him as a babyface more would be would be beneficial, though. Because I do think that it's very heel-heavy right now. And it would help it would help for him to be a face. But the fact that him and Mustafa Ali were still arguing after the match doesn't lead me to believe that Dolph Ziggler is going to be a baby face. Maybe he's a tweener. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. It's happened once or twice. Moving on, JBL is seen talking outside of his poker invitational, and Miz approaches saying he didn't get invited. Uh, JBL says he can join, but it costs $50,000. Uh, 
Miz explains that he doesn't have a lot of liquid cash right now because of the Dexter Loomis situation, so he gets turned away. And then after the break, Corbin is shown to be cheating, which angers the OC, and they challenge him to a match with Alpha Academy. As that is all happening, everyone leaves, and Dexter and Johnny take the rest of the money off of the poker table. Uh, similar to what I was saying before, I think like you can do fun things like this that that, that lead us to matches that aren't as you know high stakes, no pun intended, and 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 give us a reason to, to to have those matches in a way that also furthers people's characters and and you know lets them sh- you know show their personality more in a backstage thing that leads to something that gives them more time to show their in ring prowess as well. I think these are all good things in my opinion, even as something as silly as a little poker tournament. Bianca Belair is then interviewed by Kathy Kelly and says that what Bailey did tonight was impressive, but she'd be proud to wrestle any of the women in the triple threat matches. When asked who she thinks will win the second triple threat match later, she doesn't really give a firm answer. Next, we had the OC versus Baron Corbin and Alpha Academy. As usual, this was a fun match where each guy got an opportunity to showcase themselves, and the OC eventually hit the magic killer for the win I think that man I said it on Twitter and I've said it on this show like so many times now but Chad Gable and Otis continue to be the MVPs of Monday Night Raw in the Triple H era they've really shown what they can do as performers we see it on a week-to-week basis whether they're backstage whether they're in the ring they are looking good and that continued here I continued here even with a loss I think that it didn't really matter uh, because they're really still killing it. Like, they're killing it on a week-to-week basis. I think that as someone like myself who's a longtime Chad Gable fan, it's so nice to finally see Chad Gable getting the push that he deserves, getting someone that believes in him right there to let him do what he can do. And we're seeing it all the time. I and mean, he's just so entertaining. The shooshed up, the thank you, the technical wrestling, just everything. He he is the exact performer that people always thought he would be if someone just kind of like let him loose. And we see it every week, and I just think it's fantastic. I really, at some point, want to see him win a singles title. I want to see that. I think it would be awesome. Give him like the it's tough because the u.s title is becoming the main title on the show so it's a little more difficult but once raw gets the world title back and they have a secondary title i want to see it i want to see the u.s title on chad gable candace LeRae chats with byron saxton about having to wrestle against eo sky next week on raw candace says she may be new to raw but she's known these women for a long time and now that she's a mom she has so much more to fight for Johnny and Dexter Loomis approach the conversation and they show her how much they want in the poker tournament. So Candace calls the interview to go hang out with them. It's a lot of money. It's understandable. Small little note here, but I think that Candace needed to talk about her history more. Needed to talk about how she's not new to WWE. And I think that that was kind of established a little more here with that brief little comment that she made. I think also smart to talk about her becoming a mom and how she has so much more to fight for now 
helps her relate to a portion of the audience, gives you a reason to understand her motivations. These are all things that I like to see. Helps build up characters. It might sound like a broken record, but I like character building, and that's what we got from Candice LeRae here, who's one of my favorite wrestlers. Next, we got Dominic Mysterio versus Akira Tozawa. The finish saw Tozawa miss a senton from the top rope, which Dominic took advantage of by hitting the frog splash for the pin. After the match, Dominic seemed like he was going to add insult to injury, but Street Profits ran out to make the save. The Judgment Day and Street Profits is a good program for both sides. Judgment Day needs to move on from their feud with the OC. Street Profits needs something new upon their return to Monday Night Raw, and I think these two sides will gel together nicely. I think that the Street Profits are just money. They're so good, and I think that Judgment Day have really become the team that will make them best as a group. Like, they've really ditched the goth stuff, and they just feel like their true selves as a group, maybe that likes, you know, darker things, but they don't seem like goth kids. They're not, you know, going over the top with all the goth things anymore. They're just a cool group that likes to kick ass and take names. And to do that against the Street Profits is a good one because I think that these guys can have a long feud together. Judgment Day had a long program with Edge. They had a long program with the OC. And I think that they can do the same thing with Street Profits in a way that will give the Street Profits a chance, will give them an opportunity to wrestle in singles matches as well as tag matches. And I think... The people really enjoy that. I know that I like seeing Montez in singles matches. I like seeing Angelo Dawkins in singles matches. They're both really good at what they do outside of the team. So like a Montez Ford versus Finn Balor, that sounds awesome. Uh, Angelo Dawkins versus Damian Priest, yeah, give me that. Really think this feud has potential. I was excited about this one when this happened. I felt like it was a good start for the Street Profits on a new path for the judgment day into all that adam pierce approaches lashley backstage and warns warns bobby that if something like earlier happens again where he makes contact with with a backstage official he might have to take the match away next week all right that's got to be foreshadowing i feel like the bobby lashley versus rollins match is not gonna happen now rollins gonna take advantage of the fact that the match has to be taken away if Lashley overreacts. And this has to be where we get the 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 return of the Hurt Business. I keep saying it. I similarly feel like a broken record when I keep talking about it. But it's clearly building to that. So I feel like, I feel like Seth Rollins versus Bobby Lashley isn't going to actually happen next week. That's just my hunch. I'm sticking with it for now. Finally, the main event... Alexa Bliss versus Nikki Cross versus Becky Lynch. I saw a lot of people online talking about maybe this match not being quite as good as the triple threat match that preceded it earlier in the night. But the finish saw Becky hit the manhandle slam on Nikki on the apron. Then damage control hit the ring and powerbombed Lynch through the announce table. 
This allowed Alexa Bliss to hit the Twisted Bliss for the win. So next week, it's Bailey versus Alexa Bliss in a number one contenders match for the Raw Women's Championship. So here, okay. <laughs> okay. So I know we're heading into Bailey versus Becky Lynch, right? That's clearly the direction of those two next. They're they're going back and forth on the mic. The setup has already begun. And and with with Alexa Bliss, one thing that we have continued to see with her is we keep seeing that Bray Wyatt logo popping up behind her. So I, if Uncle Howdy is in charge of all these videos and he remembers the past, he definitely seems like he remembers what Alexa Bliss did to The Fiend. So something is going to happen between Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss again. I do think we're getting closure to that story in some way or a continuation of it. So those are the two things I see when I look forward to this match next week. I'm, I think, okay, well, how does this match end? <laughs> how does this match end? I, I tweeted, I said, okay, so Uncle Howdy appearing is going to cost Alexa Bliss the match next week, right? And all of you seemed to disagree with me. <laughs> Everyone seemed to disagree with me. Um... Uh, everyone else seems to say that Becky Lynch is going to interfere and that she's going to cause Alexa Bliss to win. And then that's how we get into Bailey versus Becky. Alexa Bliss wins the number one contendership, but then, then the turn happens and she's going to revel in what she is returning to her former self and going much more uh, into her, you know, the, the little Lomas Bliss, uh, you know, Firefly Funhouse version of her character. A lot of you said that. I see, I see from Mary Helen Clark. Nope. Becky will cost Bailey. Alexa's getting the match. Then the turn. She's going to revel in what she is. Saw someone say, I have zero brains for this take. Someone else said, y'all want to see Bianca Bailey for the 10 millionth time this year. I kind of do, only because I do think that Bailey should be the champion. I do think that. I <laughs> look. I saw it. I thought, nah, Becky's gonna cost Bailey. Alexa finally goes back heel against Bianca. No, Becky will cost Bailey the win. No, I see her winning next week with Becky costing Bailey. Then Uncle Howdy costs her the title. Fair, fair point from a pro wrestling podcast. I just think that Uncle Howdy appears. He costs her the match. She starts to go down that rabbit hole. Then Bailey gets another title shot. Bailey wins the title this time. And Becky has to continue fighting her way through damage control until she finally gets a title shot against Bailey. And then she beats Bailey for the title. Am I crazy for thinking that? Hmm. I don't know. Because it didn't seem super imminent. Like, like Bailey even said, like, when we meet, it's going to happen. Or excuse me, Becky said, like, when we meet, it's going to eventually happen. I could see that. Maybe you're all right and I'm wrong. We'll find out. 
but a, a piece of me thinks this is where this is where Becky, excuse me, this is where Alexa Bliss gets looped back into the Bray Wyatt storyline. Call me crazy. We'll see. All right, I'm done here. I'm officially tapping out. Before I get out of here, though, make sure that you're following WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We're all across social media, so make sure you're following us. Also, don't forget, if you're listening to this podcast, that means you're currently in the Out of Character podcast feed. So while you're here, do me a favor. Make sure you hit subscribe. If you're not already subscribed, I mean, I'm assuming most of you listening to this are subscribed already which i appreciate very much and if you are subscribed already that means you you i i think it means you like listening to this podcast every week so if that's the case if you enjoy listening to the podcast every week hook it up with a review on apple podcasts if that's where you listen if you're on spotify you can just click the five star review you know the five stars to let people know that you like the show as well but if you're on apple podcasts just write a sentence or two. It helps out the show a lot. And it lets people know that you're enjoying it. It also feeds my ego. So I appreciate it very much. Also, make sure that you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find clips from Raw and SmackDown every week. That's where you can usually find Out of Character every Wednesday. You can also find YouTube Shorts. You can find clips from out of character and so much more. So make sure you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. There's not going to be a new out of character this week. Like I had said, I was dealing with stuff. Wasn't able to record an episode in advance, but there will be a new one next week. There'll be a new interview with a recently returned superstar. Little tease there. All right, I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time. This is Ryan Satin, and this has been the Raw Roundup. <laughs>